All right, y'all believing with me? All right. Let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that it is true every time that we apply it in our life, that it profits us. Father, I thank You for the anointing. I thank You for giving me utterance. If I messed it up in the saying, I thank You for fixing the hearing before it gets downrange. Father, give each one here, each individual, a spirit of wisdom and revealed knowledge of You and Your Word. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding and make it real to each individual. Uh, Rame a word that each person needs, that they, just the special formula, the special mix that they need for today, Father. And I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so let's turn to Romans 12 and verse 1. We started jumping off here last week. And... Uh, We'll get, we'll get to our sheet in a minute, but I want to back up again real quick. It says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is, wow, I'm doing backflips because you're doing me a favor service. Is that what it says? No, it's your reasonable service. God says, man, you don't even get a golf clap for that. Thanks for showing up. But I want to uh, just pick that apart a little bit. Before where it says you've got to present your body a living sacrifice, remember, I, I told you this before. When I was a, when I was a cop, and, and not at the sheriff's office, but up, up, up in D.C., we had what we call roll call every day. See, I loved it at the sheriff's office because you just went 10-8 from your vehicle. I didn't have to present my body. I just went to work. But at Capitol Police, every day, they had roll call where we all came together and they check off, are you here? Remember in homeroom? Remember Bueller, Bueller, Bueller? Okay, remember that. Okay, well, that's what you do. You've got to present your body every day. It's an everyday thing. You've got to show up. And then it says this. It's a sacrifice. Why? Because, well, how many know it was a sacrifice on most days that I had to go to work and then sit at roll call? Anybody have a sacrifice? You, you have to show up to work? Or wouldn't it be easier just to stay in bed? It's a sacrifice. That says this holy, which is, remember, holy is devoted to a single purpose. God, and then you're acceptable. Reasonable service. Then it says this. And be not conformed to this world. We don't do it man's way. Right? but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, and we saw that, that word is discern or recognize and identify what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now remember our target, right? Good, a perfect will is the bullseye. The four ring, the next ring out, is good will. Then the three ring is acceptable, and then anything else after that is unacceptable. So most people, they get born again, what we call getting saved, they're in the acceptable ring. They live in the three ring, but they don't live in riches, honor, and life. They don't even know that God wants them to have riches, honor, and life, which is the bullseye. That's what we're shooting for. Now, as we get better, when I was on, uh, on the pistol range or on the rifle range, what will happen is, as you get better at what you're doing, you'll start tightening your group up and getting towards the center. That's what we want to do with our lives. We, we recognize there's the three ring, here's the four ring. See, most people, they don't even recognize that there is a bullseye riches on their life. Right? They just live in junk. And, and then religious people told us that's holy. It's good to suffer for the Lord. No, no. So what we want to do is renew our mind. We want to transform our mind. We want to get honed in and get better at getting that thing tight towards the center. Right? I mean, you know, it, sometimes we'll get lucky and just get a bullseye, even with our eyes closed. I mean, you know, but I want to get skilled at it so that every time I can hit riches on our life. I don't want to be like the old Vietnam, you know, head down, with a gun over top of the berm and just shooting, spraying bullets everywhere and hopefully we'll hit something. Because I mean, you know, they, didn't, they missed a lot of stuff. They might have hit one out of 50. We want to get better at that. I'd like to get, you know, 49 out of 50 or 48 out of 50. Right, right? But, and so we're, that's what we're learning about, how to get to that center of the bullseye, riches, honor, and life, where it's good every time. Okay, so in verse 3 it says this, For I say through the grace given unto me that every man that is among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly or have a be sane is what it says in the Greek, 
according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So every if you were born, what's built in you is the ability to have faith or use faith. We see that? God dealt it to every man. Whether you whether you, you accepted Jesus, you didn't accept Jesus, you show up on the planet, you have a proportion. Everybody gets the same amount when they start out. Okay? So remember that because we're going to the next verse because God will tell us to do something here, and, but He makes it real easy because He already built it into us. Go to the next one. That's Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. But He gave every man the measure of faith. So how many know every person has the ability to please God? It's a level playing field. When we come out the birth canal, we all have built into us the ability to please God. You all see that? So He ain't making... They're not just a special few. He didn't just pick some. He made it so that everybody could be having a great relationship with Him and please Him. You all see that? Now, I want you to notice it says here, it doesn't say, but without doing your checklist, it's impossible to please God. Did you see that? But without doing all that stuff that your mama told you you should do that would please God, it's impossible to please God. Did you see that? Does it say that? Does it say, but without cussing, drinking, smoking, chewing, or going out with those that do, it's impossible to please God? Did it, did it say that? No, it said without faith it's impossible. He's not near as worried about your behavior checklist than he is with faith. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't be pleased that we're in here this morning thinking that that's sacrilege. God don't give a rip. You know what he cares about? What's it say? Faith, that we just believe him. And every person, when they come out the birth canal, has the ability to believe him because he gave it to us. Isn't that a good deal? What a good deal. All right, so, but then he expounds on this. Well, what's that look like, this faith thing? What does it look like? He says that he that comes to God must believe that he is. So two things out of that, that you've got to show up to God. You've got to come to him. And how many of you, you can't come to him unless you do the second half, which is believe that he is? If you don't believe that somebody is, are you going to him? No. So you've got to believe that he is. And then watch this. And then believe this, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That means he's, he, gives, he gives to show gratitude. Remember that? We talked about that last week. Basically, what it is, is you could say this because we ran it through our definition of worship. He's a worshiper. You, God worship you? Yep. That's what it says right here. That God will worship all those people that investigate Him and crave Him. That's what diligently seeks means in the Greek. Now, how many know, you don't really just start out craving something. If you don't know about Oreos, can you crave Oreos? Right? If you never heard about Guinness, Mike, would you crave a Guinness? So you've got to know it exists. Right? You've got to know it exists, don't you? So, and then you just don't automatically, oh, I know that there's Oreos until you investigate Oreos. And investigate means that you examine in detail to make discoveries. I mean, if I, I find out about Oreos and somebody tells me how great Oreos are, I need to find out for myself before I start going buying you know, a whole case of them. Right? So what I want to do is maybe try an Oreo and see all the details of the Oreo. Do I really like the Oreo? Because I'm going to discover whether I like it or not. This is the same thing with God. Y'all following this? So what we're going to do is examine in great detail God and then discover whether we like Him. Now, unfortunately, religious Christianity, I don't like that God. I, man, I wouldn't serve that God because he's, you know, he's beating you down. The same God that beat you down and brought you through and kicked your butt. Why, why would you do that? Why would you serve a God that makes you sick? Why would you serve a God that wants you in lack? I've got enough problems. I don't need a God like that, okay? Right. Y'all following that? I mean, right? You understand, right? But he said, so you want to investigate and find out that he wants you to have riches on our life. 
When you start making those discoveries and those details that, hey, God wants me to have a good life. You know, the good life? Where most people in church, they think that that's bad. But the good life's good. That's why they call it the good life. Y'all have your good list? Remember the good list? You take out your good list. Beauty, bounty, better, the best, at ease, all that. Alright. So, here's the thing. You've got to believe that God wants you to have the good life. And He wants to give you the good life. And guess what? When you start finding that out, you'll start obsessively desiring the good life. And you'll start obsessively desiring God because God's the one that has the good life in His hand. God is good, so if you want, and He is life. So if you want good life, you got to go after God. All right, so we we got that. Okay, let's go on to uh, Hebrews fourteen because here's the backside of that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Romans fourteen. That's why I put it up on the slide. See, keep me straight. Romans fourteen and verse twenty-two. Well, we saw this last week too. It says, "Hast thou faith, or do you have faith? Share it to the whole world." Is that what it says? If you have faith, go share it. What what does it say? Have it to yourself, right? Before God. Did you all see that? Because we all have it. Let's go share our faith. I don't share your faith. We're going to find out here in a minute what faith really is and how we operate it because what will happen is you'll start believing and saying things how you want them to be instead of how they are in your life and your relatives will think you're nuts if you go share that with them. If you, say, you, know, you find out that God wants you healed, and then you start saying, you know, I don't have to be sick. I, you know, by Jesus' stripes, He took stripes on His back so I could be healed. People start thinking, you're nuts. Now, they'll think it's okay, even in word circles, like where we're you know, in church, they'll think it's okay until it really, then we'll, if it's really serious, though, we'll say, well, you know, you've got to be careful with that. You should really go to the doctor. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but we don't discount faith, do we? Because some people be like, oh, that don't work. Well, it won't for you, but your great-grandkids will find out that it worked for me. You won't be around to see it, but your great-grandkids will see me when I'm really old. Okay? So if you have faith, keep it to yourself, right, before God. Then he says, as happy is he that condemneth not himself in that or anything which he allows. Now, we already know that, that if you don't feel guilty about something, how many know you'll be happy? Okay? Anything. Anything that you do and you don't feel guilty, you'll be happy. Okay. But look at this. It says, But he that doubteth is damned if he eat or do anything because he eats or does anything that's not a faith. So if, you don't, if you're not in faith, if you're doubting, he says that thing is doomed to fail. So you could write this one down on your hand, tattoo it or whatever if you want. You know, if I doubt, it's not going to work. So whatever decision you're facing in life, should I do this, God, or should I do that? I don't know. Am I, am I hearing from you? What do I do? If you're doubting about it, just put the brakes on it and hold on until you know that you know that you know that the next step is the one you do. Because if you don't know, what's going to happen? What's it say? If you doubt what? It's, it's going to fail. Guarantee. You ever done anything in life where you're like, well, I'm not too sure about this. Then afterwards you go, I knew I shouldn't have done that one. <laughs> that ever happened to you? Well, he says it right here. He said, man, if you doubt, don't jump into it. Whatever it is. He's talking about eating in this verse, but he's really talking about anything. In the verse before it, he says, in anything that you allow, anything that you do, whether it's eating, drinking, you know, do I take this job? Do I move to this city? Do I go here? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? If you don't know, 
Put the brakes on. And let's find out. We'll find out from God. He'll tell you what to do. Won't He? Sure He will. Alright. So look, and then this last phrase, which we don't really like, but it's the truth, because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now remember what sin is? See, everybody thinks sin is, you know, doing that checklist, the, the bad checklist, cuss, drink, smoke, or two. No, remember, sin is that you just miss the mark. You miss the target. Now remember our target? Perfect will in the bullseye. Good will, the four ring. Acceptable will, the three ring. Whew, that was a miss. Maggie's drawer. Now they wave Maggie's drawers in the Marine Corps to let everybody know that you missed the target. That's a sin. That's all sin is. If you see Maggie's drawers waving, you sin. All you do is you miss the target. I mean, that's a big zero. You don't want to miss the target. And then everybody else will know you missed the target. That's all sin is. He says, so whatever's not of faith, Maggie drawers waving out there, everybody knows you missed it. Not that you're bad, you're evil. No, you missed it. You settled for less. You missed the target. How do we avoid missing the target? By not what? Doubting. Because if you do doubt, on whatever it is you do, just stop. Don't fire the gun. If you can't see the target, if you don't know for sure you're on the target, if you don't know the windage, you don't know all that stuff, just wait till you do have all that stuff lined up, till your sight is back focused, till you do have... Because if you're not too sure, you're not really going to hit it. You might hit one out of 50, but then we're back to that Vietnam thing over the berm, M16, you know, blah, 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 over your head. We don't want that, do we? I mean, a lot of us have been living our life like that, though. But me too, in the past. Whenever I just, and we were taught this in church, just walk that out and walk this out. And by process of elimination, you ever heard that? That's a lie from hell. Here's how you eliminate all the other bad choices. God, what do you want me to do? What step do I take next? It'll, limit, it'll save you a lot of time. It'll feel like it won't because sometimes you've got to wait a little while to hear from God. I mean, but, and, and, and your, your mind will be, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. What are you going to do? You can't just sit here. I mean, you know, doing nothing is still doing something. Isn't it? How about, well, you're not really doing nothing. You're just waiting on to hear from God because He's got the one little key to it that'll help you sidestep the minefield or whatever you're in, get you back on target. So just wait. We won't want to. Five minutes would be like an eternity in your mind. It will. You'll start, and, and and they'll tick, tick every tick. You'll start to panic more. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What do we do? I don't know what to do. What do we, ah, mm, ah, mm, ah. Right? That's a problem. Alright, so uh, look over here on our production line of faith because we need to know how to get to faith because faith is the thing that will bring us victory. Right? We know that faith is the thing that will help us please God. Faith is the, that's the key to the whole thing. So our production line of faith. Now it starts here with logos, which is the written word. When you hear the written word preached, that's the front end of you getting faith which is the front end of you getting victory, right? All right, the next thing that comes after Logos is when I'm preaching, what should have been happening if you're not you know, on these fluffy couches and you know, daydreaming now. But while I'm preaching the Logos Word, you should be having thoughts go through your head. And it should be, and this is, this is how the Holy Spirit will work because each of you will be having thoughts in your own life that are particular just to you. So when I preach the Logos Word and you hear the Word, you should have thoughts in your head that will pertain to your life. That's what we want. Stick with those. We want to know what those thoughts... What does the Word of God produce in your mind to make you think? Because the next thing is, if you think on it long enough, it will become an imagination. What we're shooting for is that you would imagine that good and the good life belongs to you. Because, listen, even me, take five minutes before I start imagining the, the evil list. 
It is a fight every day to stay on the good list. It's a fight to, to imagine beauty and bounty and better and the best and sweet and ready. It's no work at all to think adversity, calamity, affliction, worry. That's not work. That's easy. You automatically go there. So you've got to keep this Logos Word going. Look over in Joshua 1.8. Because that's what the Logos Word is. He said, you want to imagine this good life. So what you've got to do is keep this going in your ears. You want to keep it going into your eyeballs. Look, the more parts of your body, the more input that you can get, the more ways you can get the Word coming in, the easier it is to keep your mind thinking the good life. The more, the more input. You can see it. That's why, I have you, that's why we put Bibles out. We're trying to put stuff up on the screen so that you can actually, and I want you to go home and see it in the Word for yourself. If you can hear it, you hear what I'm saying. Now we've got seeing and we're hearing. I mean, those two inputs, they help. That's why television and movies are such a big deal. Because we've got seeing and hearing. Good input. Look at Joshua 1.8. It says this. This book of the law, this is God talking to Joshua, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Now see that word meditate? You could circle it in your Bible because it is the Hebrew word imagine. If you ever wanted to know what meditation is, it's imagination. What did he tell them to imagine? The book of the law. Now all he had was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was work. He's thinking, oh, whew. Listen, that was hard for Joshua back then. We got a lot more stuff now. We got a whole bunch of other stuff we can meditate on. You know, you got, I mean, if you just can't meditate on nothing else than, you know, like Jesus walking on water and casting out demons, I mean, they made whole horror movies out of that. So I know that's a big winner, right? It's a good marketing plan. So, so you want to imagine the book of the law day and night. You know, just a, you know, once a day. No, he says day and night, and then what? That you may observe to do what's written. So we don't, you know, you're not going to do the word if you're not meditating on it, if you're not imagining it, if you're not hearing it and looking at it. And then did it say once a week? So, so if you want to hit the bullseye, because that's where we're going for perfect will, riches on and life. If you want to hit that bullseye, it's a day and night process. I mean, whatever job, whatever career that you're in, to get good at it, hey, you just don't show up and you're good at it automatically. Even pro athletes, they had a lot of years. You know, all of a sudden we see, oh, that's a guy's a rookie, he's a star, came out of nowhere. Yeah, well, guess what? He's been playing the game since he was three. Yeah. So by the time he's a rookie at 21, he started at three, dude could retire almost. He only needs two more years before he could retire and take a pension. Right? You'd be 20 years on a job, you could retire. As the military does. So you want to get really good, it's going to take some effort on your part. Day and night. Meditate on this. Day and night. Imagine it. Imagine it. Imagine it. And like I said, that's work because you give me five minutes alone in my car and I'll start imagining the evil list if I'm not careful. If I'm not diligent. If I'm not aware. If I don't keep the Logos word coming in my ears, seeing in my eyes, and I'm in it. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Well, I, mean, I know you don't really have time for that because you've got other responsibilities. So he said day and night. So when you get up in the morning, do that. And then at bed at nighttime, do that. It don't, won't take you that long. But if you could start out your day, even if it's five minutes, as I tell you, put a CD in your car on the way to work. Even if you only have a ten-minute commute, you're going to get some kind of word in there that will get some thoughts fired up, that will get your imagination going on the right track. You know, because the alarm clock is not helping you get your imagination on the right track. 
not helping me. Mine's like, retro, frickin' matcha, bitchy, right? Right? And if I had a big frying pan, I'd clock the clock with it. Quang! Wouldn't you? I love to. That's why I used to work 3 to 11, because every day is a Saturday morning. No alarm clock. Amen. But so the key to this whole thing, we've got to imagine the word, keep it in front of us day and night, day and night, day and night. Now, is that where faith comes from? No, because see, look on our little uh, sheet over here, this production line of faith. That's the front end. Look how much goes into before you can even get to faith. You got logos. You hear the word preached, then you think about it, then you imagine it day and night. And then we, remember we talked about this, what you're doing is build Ford Apache around these, these things that you're imagining. You're building a stronghold around, wow, healing belongs to me. I mean, if you went through your whole life and you didn't think healing belonged to you, now all of a sudden you're hearing about it, it ain't just going to be like, oh, yeah, healing belongs to me. Because your mind will tell you five minutes alone. See, when you're, you're standing with me or somebody else that believes in healing, you'll say, yeah, all right. Five minutes alone, you'll be like, wow, I don't know. And it's not you because hell will whisper it into your ear. You don't really believe that junk, do you? That's a cult. So in order for you to really believe it, you got to start building. You got to just keep. You got to keep hitting it. No healing belongs to me. Look at the word. Hang out with other people that believe that. Listen to messages that talk about healing. Whatever it is, prosperity, same thing. Good relationships, same thing. Whatever area in your life that you really don't believe. And what you're going to do is build Fort Apache around this little thought, this imagination. Because what we're trying to do is to make it become faith. We want it. We want to believe it. In order to do that, you've got to do these things on the front end. Hear what the Word says. I mean, if it, ain't, if it isn't based on the Word, it's impossible for you to have faith on it. If you don't have Logos written Word on anything, you can't really believe it. So if you just say, well, I'm going to put my faith out there for this, we should ask you, and you should ask yourself, well, what Scripture am I basing that on? Do I have a verse that I'm basing this on? Because if you don't, that's the very first building block. Do you see it? Logos. If you don't have a verse that you're basing whatever you're believing God for, you ain't believing God. You might be lying to yourself thinking that you're believing God, but you ain't really believing God because if it ain't in the Word, if you can't point to it and say, this is it, this is my foundation, you got nothing. That's pretty big. Right? So then when you do get that Scripture, then you meditate on that day and night. Stick with that one Scripture. Well, how long? Till you get what it is that you're believing for. You know, Kimmy and I talk about this all the time. It's like, we only have so much faith that we can put up against something. I don't care how big and how strong you've made your faith. There's only so much of it that you can use. Other, uh, before it gets stretched too thin and you can't do anything with it. You can't believe 50 things at the same time and expect all 50 to work out. You, you can't. There's a lot of energy that goes into and a lot of work, a lot of thoughts, imagination, stronghold, building around, whatever the thing that you're honing in on. So be a good steward of your faith. And if you don't have a lot of faith and you're just starting out, you really should not be spreading it around. You've been in this for a while. Yeah, you can put your faith... Oh, here's a trick, okay? Here's a test. Anybody have like a, the flu? You're throwing your guts up the, and you're believing for healing. Why you're believing for healing to get over all those symptoms? Are you talking to your checkbook? Are you thinking about the bill that's due next week? I'm thinking about, can I make it to the porcelain throne in time to not mess my carpet up? You follow me? Whatever measure of faith that you have, 
Use it wisely. Pick the thing that you're, and then stay on that thing. You can't go here, here. I know people that will listen to 15 different ministers a day on different subjects. What are you doing? You end up having nothing. Because this one's talking to his congregation about that thing that's, that's for them. They might be on healing. This one might be talking about inheritance. This one might be talking about relationships. You can't do them all. You can't. So pick the thing that you... And get with your spouse. What's the one thing we want to jump into agreement, put our faith up against? Get that one and nail it. And we find the Scripture that we want. Then the two of you, you're on that Scripture. Write it down. Put it on the mirror. You should be able to quote it. And quote it all day long. Mutter it over in your mind. Whatever it is. If you're believing for healing, then by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. By Jesus' stripes I'm healed. By Jesus' stripes I'm healed. Jesus took stripes on His back so that I could be healed. If it's prosperity, whatever, you know, if you need this bill paid, get on that bill. Whatever one it is. You need your house paid off, then you believe for that one. Don't believe for 50 of them at a time. You get up on one, and then you nail it. You move on to the other one pretty quick. How many know it'll be faster if you get all your faith on one thing, and then you move to the next thing? Because if you spread yourself thin on a bunch of different fronts, it's going to be a problem. And what's going to happen is you're going to lose on all the fronts, because you you're not strong or reinforced in any area. You're just holding the line. Not advancing. And and in a lot of areas, your your left flank may cave. Man, this is good. Very, very wise with what you're going to put your faith to. So we want to hear from God and that whatever. So decide which one, the, the highest priority. Whatever's your biggest priority, get on that one. Find a scripture for it. Thoughts. Imaginations. Meditate on it day and night, day and night. Build that stronghold. Build it. Fort Apache around that one. Yeah, bless God we're getting our house paid for and I ain't letting go of this thing till I get it paid for. Or whatever it is. It might be healing in your body. Whatever. Relationships. It don't matter. Pick one. Do that one. Why you do that? Why you're building those strongholds now is a real good time to do worship. Maybe that's on the list. It's right there, but really worship is, goes through the whole process. But you can't worship really God. I put this as like somebody who wasn't born again. You can't worship God until you even hear the Word of God being preached, until you know that He loves you and then you accept Him. Then you can worship. So we got this love relationship going. Now, I don't need to go through that again because we did about, what, ten weeks on worship, right? So now we got this love relationship going because what? Where's faith come from? From the rhema Word of God. Remember that? The spoken Word. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the spoken word. Not the written word, spoken word. So, say we'll take healing again. Alright, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. Start imagining that. I'm meditating on it day and night. I'm building forward Apache. I'm worshiping Him. Father, I thank You that I'm healed. I have gratitude that healing belongs to me. Love relationship going, then He tells you. Now, you remember, because faith works by love. We love communication, right? When I worship Kimmy... It's a lot easier to get Rhema from Kimmy than if I'm not talking to her. If I'm not talking to her, how much? Why would she talk to me? So you want God to talk to you, so maybe you should talk to Him. This is simple stuff. See, a lot of people think praying is that you go and ask something. That's not praying. That's supplication. Praying. It's like sitting at your kitchen table with somebody and having a conversation. Praying is just nothing more than communication. Spirit-to-spirit communication because like God's not sitting physically in your kitchen room. But it'd be like if I was sitting at the table with John and Darlene 
and Sam and Julie, we're all around my kitchen table and we're just talking. I'm not saying, Sam, will you do me a favor? John, will you do me a favor? And that's all that I ever consists of. You guys would not even talk to me. If every time all we did is sit down and go, I need you to do this for me. What kind of relationship would that be? What, are you kidding me? I want to hang out. Think about it. What if just, somebody was always just asking, that's all they ever did was come up and ask you to do me this. And that was, that was consistent of your whole relationship. Prayer ain't asking God to do nothing. That's supplication. Making a petition. Entreating the Lord. God, will you do me a favor? That should be a very, very small part of your relationship. The vast majority of it should be just like you and me hanging out at my kitchen table. That's prayer. We're communicating. How'd your day go? Mine went fine. Talk about whatever. I mean, no, uh, God watched the Alabama game yesterday too. Do, do you know that? Oh, he did? Yeah, he was at the game. He had bird's eye view over the 50-yard line. He's better shot at it than that camera that comes up under the quarterback's butt. It, do you understand? And he's better than ESPN because you know how they have that in-circle thing with all the angles? You ever seen that on ESPN 2 where they have 15 camera angles going at the same time and it makes you dizzy? God, God does better than that. He knows all the angles that's going on in that game and every other game that's being played. If you can't talk about nothing else in the football game that you watch with God, start there. <gasps> it's the same thing as having a relationship with anybody else in your life. Do you know that's... That's all part of it because I want him to talk to me and tell me how to get riches on our life. You know, in order to get secrets to win in life, I don't tell my intimate stuff to anybody really other than my wife. Right? We've got an 18-year relationship going intimate to tell secrets. I don't just blab my stuff all over the street. God's not going to just blab his stuff to anybody he don't have a relationship with. You wouldn't. Why would you expect God to? Amen. Oh, you're preaching so good, Andrew. But this is helping. If you can, you know, when I was in Desert Storm, you know, uh, I was brought up around preachers that always prayed in King James. Father and our God. So I was out in the desert, and I was sitting there, and I was like, man, you know, God, I've and trying to use these big... And he's like, Andrew, just talk to me how you talk. Use whatever words you use in your regular language. Just talk to me. I was like, you sure? He said, yeah. I said, like, God, you're killer awesome. I was a surfer back then. Woo! You know, that's all he's looking for. You know, because look over here in Hebrews 4. See, we put on this stuff like we've got to put on... Man, God knows already. You ain't, I mean, you ain't putting one over on him. Trying to talk in King James or, you know, use that, you know, get that Harvard advantage, whatever, you know, stuff that Rush Limbaugh is always trying to make your vocabulary better. You know, spend the $800 on that so you can pray to God. It, you know, God knows slang too. Look at this in Hebrews 4. And what time have we got? All right, back up to verse 1. We might not ever get off this. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into His rest, that any of you should come short of it. If you've got to worry about something, worry that you won't enter into His rest. Say the good life. Good life. That's His rest. Do you understand? 
How many know you'd be at rest because the Bible says that God makes rich and adds no sorrow to it? That means there's no downside to you having all your bills paid. Everything's comfortable. And you're under the radar. Nobody's trying to take it from you. Nobody's hitting you up, all the relatives. See, if you win the lottery, all the relatives that you didn't know you had will all come out of the woodwork and ask you for a handout. They're like, right, really? Wouldn't you? If your cousin three times removed won the Powerball, wouldn't you be calling that guy? I'm your cousin three times removed. Can I get 50 grand? See, but with God, you enter into the good life and it's at rest. You ain't got no work. We should worry about missing that. If you just got to stay up late and worry about something, worry that I might not get that. What is it that I'm doing wrong that will keep me from getting that? Okay. Then look, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the logos, that's the word, the written word preached, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So that tells me that the faith doesn't come from this written word or hearing it. Because I know a lot of people in Washington and in Hollywood that I met through people in Washington, they can quote some of this stuff and they usually do in a lot of their speeches and in movies. I mean, they don't have faith. So faith don't come from you knowing this. Faith comes from getting that spoken word inside here. This is just a building block. If you never go past this, what do you say? It won't profit you. If you never go past this, it don't profit you. Well, I want a profit. Don't you want a profit? I want a profit. I'm all about profit. Bottom line. For we which have believed do enter into rest. So here's, here's our little faith test. If you actually are believing it, you'll be at rest. You won't be worrying about it. If you really believe it, you're at rest. <sighs> okay? All right, good. Now, come on over here to verse 9. We'll, we'll get to this other part in the middle sometime later. But verse 9, we'll pick up here. It says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Remember what rest is? Is what? The good life? So he says, there remains the good life for the people of God. It's still there for you. I like that. Don't you? Because if you hook up with God, that's available. But now look. For he that has entered into his rest, or into his good life, has also ceased from his own works, as God ceased from his. Remember when God created the earth? heavens and the earth, seven days, and then he stopped after day six and took the seventh day off, went on vacation. Remember, a day is a, a thousand years to the Lord. Boy, he took a thousand year vacation. Wouldn't you want to? How do you know that's rest? Right? Pina coladas, virgin of course. Right? What is that? Was that the, the slushy bar down at the beach? Right? You're at rest. A thousand years of that. Oh, I missed the spot with my suntan lotion. Oh, yeah. Bring me a fresh towel, will you? And, you know, and, the, and the cabana boy brings you a fresh towel with your slushy. Are you working? No, this is, what we're looking, this is what we're shooting for. This is God's perfect will. And how do we get there? By mixing the Logos word with faith. So faith is the key to us getting, you know, having the cabana boy rub us down with, you know, Tropicana oil, bring us a fluffy towel and a slushy, and ha, and move to your block in my view of the waves. Just reading the Bible. Don't get upset. See, but most people in church, they don't hear about this stuff. They hear about all the junk that they're doing wrong and why they're, you know. I mean, no, you don't need somebody to tell you when you messed up, do you? Yeah, you pretty much know it as soon as you do. 
I know it when I make a mistake. I don't need somebody to tell me, you know, you really missed that. Thanks. You think? Yeah. So why are you telling us about that? We don't need to be told about that all the time. We know when we're messing it up. What we need to be told about is let's shoot for perfect will. The good life. We need to shoot for that. We need to talk. We need to imagine that all the time. Meditate on that. That there is something better. That when we get there, we can cease from our own works. Ha! Spa day. Thousand years. Nice. But, but it's for here now. Not, not when we get to heaven. Why? It's for here now. Well, how do you know? Well, because look, it tells us right now. Let us, verse 11, labor therefore to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall short the same, of the same example of unbelief. Remember the children of Israel, 40 years in the desert? They fell short. Remember, we, we saw this word as really the word, Greek word apathy, not unbelief. It's the word apathy. He said, so let us work to get that rest. Lest because of our apathy, we don't get it. You know what apathy is? That, eh, whatever. Eh, I just don't feel like getting in the Word day and night today. Do you feel like having the good life? And there's some work. It took God six days of some heavy-duty lifting to make all this out of nothing. Heaven's earth, you know, water, fish, you, me. Then He rested. Did He have to wait till He died and went to heaven before He got His rest? That's stupid, isn't it? We don't either. He said, work now. Don't be apathetic. Labor on the front end and let's go after it. You know, if you ain't going after the good life, you ain't getting a good life. Isn't that right? It ain't just going to fall. See, most people just want it to fall out of the sky and hit them. Well, I believe God. Nothing happened. You probably didn't start out with logos and walk through thoughts and imaginations and milled Ford Apache around that imagination and you weren't running that film clip day and night because if you were, because the next thing in the process would have been God would have showed up and talked to you. Not, well, I believe God and it didn't happen. Well, somewhere you shut off your imaginator real quick and got back on the evil list. Because there is no, well, it didn't happen. It's got to happen. Impossible for it not to happen. If that's not your attitude, then you ain't going to get it. You understand? It's impossible for you not to be healed impossible for you not to walk in hell. Well, I don't know, Andrew. Well, then it won't work for you. Now, because it, if you don't know, that's okay. Get on the Logos. Start making those thoughts happen. Get on meditation on that, on healing. Start meditating. Build Fort Apache. Get your worship, love relationship going with God, not just, hey, can I do you a favor? Can you do me a favor? Actually have a relationship with Him, and then we'll get the rainbow where He'll breathe it into you. And now you will believe that it's impossible for you not to be in hell. When you get to that point, you win. Victory. Once you know that you know that you know that it's impossible for you not to be in hell, does that mean you won't fight off symptoms? Nope. What that means is you don't cave when symptoms come on your body. You say, Psh. See, because hell will be like, see, you got symptoms. You know you weren't believing it. Nah. I do believe it. And symptoms got to go. And also, you know, if I've got to lock myself in this room and do nothing but run these symptoms off, everything else will stop till I run these symptoms off. You know, I do that when, whenever symptoms come on me. It usually only take 24 hours. I would be throwing my guts up, but 24 hours is the longest that I'll allow it to stay in my body. Because I'll lock myself in a room and we're going to wrestling. 
Somebody's not coming out of there. Same thing in any area of your life. You've got to be willing to fight for it. It says labor, lest we wouldn't fall into that. Listen, that rest belongs to you. You're going to let somebody take the good life from you or some symptom or some sickness or some... No! Stand up. It's mine. I ain't letting them take... No, you ain't stealing it from me. See, if you don't have that attitude, they will steal it from you. Be like, well, you know, I can get another one. Yeah, I didn't need that credit card. Or whatever they took out of your wallet. Or, well, I didn't need that cash. I'll get some... No, it's yours. If somebody stole your credit cards in your wallet, wouldn't you want to get it back and prosecute the knucklehead that took it? You might even want to beat him up. Especially if you thought you could get away with it. Right? Well, in this area, you can. When hell comes to steal the good life from you, you and you have God's permission, go ahead and beat him up. And you'll win. But if you don't have that attitude, they'll just walk off with it. All right. Where we leave off? Verse 11. Verse 12. For the word, the Logos word of God, is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner or an identifier of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this, this Logos word will do surgery. It's like a scalpel. It'll split your soul from your spirit. So most people don't, and especially in the body of Christ, we don't even know the difference between soul and spirit. Your soul, remember, is your mind, your emotions, and your will. Your spirit is that part of you that's alive unto God that has Zoe in it. That's the part that is exactly like God. In fact, Jesus said that you are God. Do you all remember when we said it? It said you are God's, you are Elohim's, built in God's image. That's the part of you that is. People that aren't born again, their spirit's dead. They don't have one. So they're a two-part being. They always have that hole. All they have is their soul. It's kind of hard to find that line between is this my, just my mind thinking this? Y'all you know what I'm saying? Y'all have that? Am I just feeling this? Are my emotions off? Or is this really my spirit, God, talking to me? Is this the part of me that's hooked up with God talking to me? How I mean, you know that's hard to discern that? Yeah, you want some help? Get into this. The more you do the written word preached, the more that you look at the written word, the easier it is for you to de- for you to define where my soul ends and my spirit begins. A good one is that whole conscience series. That is in this nine weeks. If it's on the web, that'll help you train yourself to identify this is my spirit. No, this is my mind and my emotions. I mean, that's an important one because your emotions always tell you something that's not really true. Like you can feel great about a good a deal and then it's crap. Or you can feel like, I don't know about that, and then it turns out to be great. So you can't trust that. And your mind, you know where that, you know your mind. We don't have to go there, do we? Amen. I know my mind. It tells me all kind of stuff. All, and it'll tell me conflicting points at the same time. I got like two lawyers up there arguing a case. You know? So the written word help you decide, you know, discern that. Then it look, it says, uh, not just soul and spirit, but the joints and marrow. I mean, that's part of your body. That's deep in your body, isn't it? Yeah. Joint and marrow. That's deep surgery, isn't it? Yeah. So, what this is telling me is that the written word do surgery on your body, too. Not just your soul and your spirit. It'll physically help you heal up your body. You know, that's some serious diagnosis. If, they could, if the Word of God could tell you, no, that's a bone problem. No, that's a marrow problem. No, that's your joint. No, that's a marrow. How many know 
Doctors got to cut you open to see that stuff. Usually it's called an autopsy. So they can figure out all the stuff that happened. You all watch CSI? They can tell you everything and what happened in that guy's life, but it's after they're dead. It's too late then. I don't need your help now. Thanks. Could we do it before I'm on your table? with all zipped in I don't need that. It's not helping. The Word of God will do it for you on the front end. I don't know, Andrew. Well, let's just keep building on our faith then. Get into the Word. Then it says this, and is a discerner and identifier of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, we were going there. Remember, Logos brings thoughts. What the Word of God will help you do is identify your thoughts, which are thoughts, and which are intents of your heart. Now, we're splitting soul and spirit again. Do you see that? To identify your thoughts from the intents of your heart. Chew on that for a little bit. Because it'll tell you what you really what the intent of your heart was. Or were you just thinking I was just going to do good? Or did you really mean to do good? Beauty, bounty, better, and the best. That's a hard one because it all, it all jumbles around in here, especially in real time when you have to deal with people on the fly. So what you need to do is take your time to get this squared away before you go into combat. I mean, you know, you got to stay on it even after. You, when I was in the Marine Corps, training never stopped. When I was a cop, training never stopped. We didn't just fire our gun one time on the range and then that was it for the rest of my life. You've got to keep qualifying with that weapon to make sure you still know how to hit the target. Training never stopped. Sorry, I know that stinks, but the thing is we're going after the good life. Keep that carrot in front of you. Good life. Spa day, thousand years. Woohoo! Amen? I mean, that's what we're going for. All right, now, verse 13, which is where I originally started out, is when you're having your conversation with God, you could use slang. See how we got all the way all over there and then came back around? I did bring it around. You should be proud of me on that. <laughs> However you're having, talking to God, talk to Him about the Alabama game, if it was the Alabama game. If you saw the Gator game, talk to Him about the Gator game. If it was the race last night, talk to Him about the race. Whatever it is that you find common ground with Him, whatever it is that you know how to... Just talk about that to start with. Well, Why? Well, because look here in verse 13. It says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest or showed out in his sight. So you know what that tells me? He saw the Alabama game. He even saw like this cockroach that was running around in my house the other day. Right after the bug guy came. Must have flushed him out. He saw that because it says any creature. He knows if there's a mouse in your attic. If you have a mouse in your attic, you must go ahead and talk to him about it. Did you see that mouse we had in the attic? find common ground with him somewhere because all you're trying to do is get this relationship going with him so that he could talk back to you. Because we're trying to get faith and faith comes from him talking to me. And me just standing here like this ignoring God is not going to get him to talk to me. If you want, to talk, if you want somebody to talk to you, I mean, you go over and talk to them. If you wait for them to come talk to you, it ain't going to happen. Unless they want to talk to you for some reason. But if you want to start, then start, get in there. So start talking to God about God about whatever it is. It doesn't matter because it says everything is in His sight. Nothing hid. Now what's the next thing? But all things are naked. <gasps> you mean you can talk to God in the shower? Yeah, if you want. It don't matter. He knows what you look like in your birthday suit. He made the birthday suit. You didn't know God was a tailor, did you? Take in a little here, God a little there. I'll be good. 
I could just get this faith thing to do liposuction for me. He said, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. See what that tells me? He knows everything that's going on in your life. You ain't got to pray in King James or come up with any... You know, if you saw the Alabama game, how do you know he was right there watching the Alabama game too? He was probably sitting in the living room with you, plus he still had the 50-yard line See, Talk to him about it. He already knows you were there anyway. Same thing. Work, business, whatever. Your hobby, it don't matter. All we're trying to do is trying to get you to just have a conversation with God at your kitchen table. Because when you do... He'll start talking back to you. And where does Rhema come? I mean, where does faith come from? From him talking back to me. This is real time stuff. We ain't got to be religious and hokey and all that and go in your prayer closet. Man, talk to him driving down the road. God, did you see that idiot who just gave me the one finger salute that cut me off? You believe that guy? Oy vey! God saw it happen. You ain't telling him nothing he didn't see. And he'd be like, yep, unbelievable. tell you that. But all you're trying to do is get him to start talking to you. Then what will happen is he'll be giving you too much. God, please shut it off. Like the time when he called me a whore. I didn't want to hear that one. But it's too late because we had a long-standing relationship. I've been at this for almost 40 years with him. I mean, you know, with my wife, she tells me something like that. There's a problem. I need to make a correction. That's good. I'm glad that I have that kind of relationship that, with God that He could tell me, Andrew, guess what? You're messing up. How would you fix that? Because if He didn't and He just let it fester and build up, I don't want that to happen and then all of a sudden He's sick of me and then just hits me with the big bug smacker and I'm dead. When that, think about it in your relationship. You don't talk to your spouse or your kids or whatever and you just, they, they made you mad and then that starts building up and that starts building and you don't say nothing about it and you bottle it up and then the next thing they do, you add that into the bank and then one more thing and then all of a sudden it blows up on you. I'm glad that God has that relationship where He's like, you know what, Andrew, you screwed this one up. You need to fix that. I mean, no, He won't tell me that if I don't have a relationship with Him. If I ain't talking to Him, why would He tell me that? Right. Because I'm ignoring Him. And, then, and if he was trying to tell me, I wouldn't listen anyway because I'm not talking to him. So in order to get faith, to have this world, it's impossible for me not to get the good life. To get there, it starts out with we having this conversation with God at your kitchen table. And don't be, talk to him about whatever and everything. It's your best friend. If you're your best friend, you talk to him about anything, wouldn't you? So instead of getting on the phone and starting that gossip line or whatever, did you see what so-and-so said? Tell God first. God, did you see that? He was wearing a moo-moo. You've got to be kidding me. And God be like, yep, I saw that. Whoo, 17XL. He saw, I mean, you know, whatever it is, He saw whatever you're seeing. If that's all you can start with, then start there. Then what will happen is, it'll be like, you know, Andrew, you need to get that taken care of. You need to be worrying about you and not somebody else. Okay. Huh? But on the front end of the relationship, he'll let you he'll give you some he'll give you plenty of rope. He'll let you have plenty of leeway on the front end. As you get closer and closer, he'll start telling you, Hey, you got a booger hanging out your nose. You wanna fix that? Or do you want me to get it? No, I I'm serious about this stuff. I'm trying to put it in word pictures in your mind so that you it'll keep it'll stay with you. 
so that you understand it's not near as hokey as we try to make it. All right. Let's go one more thing here. Uh, no, nah, I don't even have time for it. You know what? We'll close out today here. And then uh, next week I started on the next slide. Uh, don't go to it. But uh, we're going to get into what faith is and what Jesus said faith was. And He said that tells us what God faith is. The same faith that God has which He put into you and how do we begin to operate in that. But this week I want you guys to sit down and have kitchen table time with God. Because if you don't start on that on this week, by the time we get to next week and start talking about how to operate in faith and how all oh, the workings of the mechanics of actual faith after you got Rhema, you've got to be able to get Rhema before we can go there. If you're not having that two-way conversation with God, next week will do nothing but frustrate you. And you try to operate in it and you'll fail. So, here's, here's our assignment this week. Have some coffee time with God. Can we do that? Because I have coffee time with God every morning. I sit in my little that pink chair that Regina was in a couple weeks ago. It's the thinking chair. I have my coffee. And we have, it's not that long, maybe 20 minutes. You don't have to spend an hour with Him. You'll want to after a while. Well, then we've got to catch you on the back end, God. Or I've got to get up early and sometimes He'll wake me up. Or I'll stay up to hang out with Him. That's where that obsessive desire comes from because I started investigating Him and finding out. Because He has all the secrets to life. Everything that you need to know, He's got it. Every answer. Even if you don't think it's done that way. Well, that's just not done. Well, he's the one that made the whole thing. I mean, he could tell you where the loophole is. If they can make loopholes in Congress, don't you think God can, knows how to do some loopholes? Yeah, it's called grace, privileges and advantages, private law. Do you all remember that from inheritance? Go ask him. Have coffee time. Build that relationship. Get it to us when we're talking. And don't be, you know, Sean and I were talking about this this week. We all expect the big light to come down, whoa, and angels, and then, you know, and then and harps playing, and whoa, now I got word from God. It ain't like that. It's very, very quiet. It's just, you know, very quiet. God's a gentleman. He's not loud. He can be if he has to be. I mean, I don't want to be on that end. It's usually with the earth opening up, people getting swallowed, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, he can do that one just. So I'm glad he tones it down for me, you know, because he doesn't need to do all that to get my attention. So I'm not looking for that. I don't want. I don't want to blow looking at the spectacular, looking for the spectacular, blow the supernatural, blow what's spiritual by just looking for some big fireworks light show, coffee time, getting real with God, just having a conversation, talking about whatever it is you talked about anybody else to, because everything was naked before him anyway. You ain't hiding nothing from them, so don't, don't try to. That's why, I mean, we're real. We're just real people. Where there's no show, no game. You get what you, you see, what you get. You know what? That rubs people the wrong way sometimes. They'd rather me, you know, dress up and put on a fluffy show, you know, an outward dress, you know, and everything's wonderful and fine. And, you know, guess what? I'm in the trenches with you. I don't have it all wired. I don't know every answer. I have some pieces. I mean, you know, I get some pieces from all y'all, too. You'll get some pieces from me, we'll get some pieces together, and then we'll move on together. So people, well, I can't follow that. Well, then don't follow, then let's, because we're following God anyway. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I'm not, you know, I don't have it all. Why? I don't know all the answers. I know who does, though, and I know how to go to them and find out how you can get the answers. I can't give them to you, 
but I'll teach you how to go and have a relationship with Him because He can give them to you. Because I don't know what you're going through. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right. But I know somebody who does, and he knows how to fix it. Amen? Amen. All right. Stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You and praise You for Your Word. I thank You for Your goodness. Seal this Word in our hearts, Father. Holy Spirit, come alongside us this week and just help us bring it to our remembrance that we'll just be real with the Father and just have coffee time with Him and just begin to have this uh, relationship of friend to friend. That we would each be named a friend of God even as Abraham was. The Father of our faith. Hallelujah. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.